0: Today on the ZabeCast, Mr. X has been unlocked from the Friday paywall, and lucky you, just in time for him to humble brag about going 2-0 last weekend. Mr. Tell the Truth is now Mr. Show Me the Money. Wait till you hear what Dr. Bennett Amalu was up to. All that, plus I've rethought my stance on the immediate future of driverless cars. Your bonus, 30 minutes of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up! And let's go! Here we go! Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. Thank you for tuning in. A couple of news items I won't get into at length today, but I may in the not so distant future. Number one Kansas K State brawl. Not good. Very, very bad look. Luckily, nobody hurt. Kansas Jayhawk basketball further embarrassed in a year full of embarrassment. Jerry Brewer writing in the Washington Post had a great take, which is, oh, so now, Bill Self, you're embarrassed. The fact that you've been paying players with Adidas money under the table, uh, including Mr. DeSilvo, who was involved in the chair incident the other night, uh, that wasn't enough. The fact that Snoop Dogg brought a bunch of strippers to opening night and put them on poles and then shot money out of a money gun, fake money, and you wore a gold chain with a dollar sign on it, that wasn't embarrassing. Now you're embarrassed. Now look, K-State is complicit in this. The kid for K-State, while they were getting hammered by more than 20, stole the ball when K-State was just trying to, or Kansas was just trying to run out the clock. Went to go try to make a layup. Uh, Silvio D'Souza blocked it, then stood over him. And next thing you know, all hell broke loose. And that was when D'Souza decided, well, what do I got around here? Oh, here's a, here's a stool. Quick memo. Never bring a stool to a chair fight. That's number one. Number two is who the fuck picks up a chair and, you know, and say, oh, it's crazy that a lot of people were defending him. I mean, Jay Williams was like, you know, in a brawl like this, things move quickly. Yeah. How about you keep calm? despite there being a lot of stuff going on. And where does one learn that instinct of, okay, I need a weapon here to fucking whomp the shit out of people with. It was a bad moment, a bad choice. It's going to cost him dearly. But I'm not going to kill the kid because, well, he didn't at least swing it. I'm still a man that believes in you should be punished for your actions, not necessarily how it looks. And if you look at the video... It's not like he was swinging it. I mean, he had the chair above his head momentarily. But in our freeze-frame society, you take that one picture, and you know the saying, a picture tells a thousand words. A negative picture in today's world goes even further than that. This was not his best moment. I wouldn't want anyone to judge me or anyone else on their not best moment. So I think a hefty suspension, maybe the rest of the year, maybe the playoffs or the tournament, which would effectively be his career because he's going pro. Uh, but it's, it's got to be serious. It has to be a deterrent. Dan Snyder, according to a story again in the Washington Post, said, uh, according to people he met with, politicians, state senators in Maryland, said he would like to explore the possibility of getting a casino license and building a sports book as part of a new stadium for the Redskins, possibly at the site of the old FedEx field. No! No! At this point, I should just get the Michael Scott soundbite <laughs> where he's yelling at Toby, no, no, God, no. This is not what any Redskin fan wants to see. That site is the worst. If the, if Dan Snyder were to build
1: Uh, uh, There it is.
0: Thank you. No. No,
1: God, please, no. 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 No.
0: There. That sums up my feeling and every other Redskin fan of the DMV's feeling. Like the rug and the Big Lebowski, which tied the room together, we need this football stadium, the next one, to be in the right place, and it's got to be in the District of Columbia. It has to be. It ties the region together. There's not much anymore that ties this sprawling Trigopolis together, the DMV, District, Maryland, Virginia. It's too far flung. It's too hard to get places. Stadium downtown is where it belongs to rebuild and put another one out there, including what could be a dome, a full dome. I'm not into that. I think it should be a retractable roof. And he may have to pay for it with his own money. That was another interesting little tidbit there. And the fact that the NFL hasn't really yet told its owners, hey, build sports books attached to the stadiums, even though that's the Ted Leonsis model with the Verizon Center. He's about to put one in as soon as the district gets their act together. Well, then, you know, we'll see about that. But Dan Snyder is clearly a long way still from getting a new stadium. And his veiled threats to these politicians, according to one source who was in on the meetings, to take the team out of Maryland, if he doesn't get a casino license, didn't go over real well. In fact, one of the lawmakers said, well, when he said that, (laughs) when he hinted as such, nobody really cared because it was all Raven fans in the room. Oh. (laughs) Oh, dagger. Now to Dr. Bennett Amalu. This story is amazing. Washington Post, written by Will Hobson. In 2017, Bennett Amalu traveled the globe to accept, accept a series of honors and to promote his autobiography, Truth Doesn't Have a Side. In a visit to an Irish medical school, he told students he was a, quote, nobody who, quote, discovered a disease in America's most popular sport. In an appearance on a religious cable TV show, he said he named the disease chronic traumatic encephalopathy, encephalopathy or CTE, because it, quote, sounded intellectually sophisticated and had a very good acronym. Since his discovery, Amalu told Sports Illustrated researchers have uncovered evidence that shows adolescents who participate in football, hockey, wrestling, and mixed martial arts are more likely to drop out of school, become addicted to drugs, struggle with mental illness, commit violent crimes, and even kill themselves. However, 15 years after he supposedly discovered this disease, he didn't. Amalu has withdrawn from the CTE research community and remade himself as an evangelist traveling the world selling his frightening version of what scientists know about CTE and contact sports. In paid speaking engagements, expert witness testimony, and in several books he has authored, Omalu portrays CTE as an epidemic and himself as a crusader fighting against not just the NFL, but now also the medical science community, which he claims is too corrupted to acknowledge clear-cut evidence that contact sports destroy lives. This guy, tell the truth, is a complete and utter revival tent fraud. What a fucking con artist he is. Wow. Amalo did not discover CTE nor did the name nor did he name the disease. It's been around in medical journals since 1949. It was originally dementia pugilistica because of boxers seemingly had a higher incidence of this type of brain degeneration. And while Amalo cultivates a reputation as the global authority on CTE, it is unclear whether he is even diagnosing it correctly according to several other experts on the disease who are not traveling the world doing tent revivals evangelical TV shows and getting 27 grand to give a lecture. One of those researchers is Ann McKee, lead neuropathologist for the Boston for Boston University's CTE Center. Said McKee, quote his criteria don't make sense to me. I don't know what he's doing. Oh, he's out cha-ching, cha-ching, making money. Another researcher, Dan Pearl, professor of pathology at the Uniformed Services University, quote, my God, if people were actually following Amalu's criteria, the prevalence of this disease would be enormous and there's absolutely no evidence to support that. Amalo declined several requests for an interview, according to Hobson, and refused to answer any questions for the story. In an email, he dismissed questions raised by other experts as, quote, coming from a minority of doctors who are seeking very cheap and bogus popularity, who work directly or indirectly with these sports organizations, unquote. <laughs> that is rich. They're the ones seeking cheap and bogus popularity. Your paper engaging in such bogus controversies will bolster some people's allegations of fake news. This, by the way, is typically how Amalo responds to criticism by claiming it comes from scientists corrupted by relationships with the leagues. But his depiction of the science and of CTE and his prominence in the research community have yielded its own, his own financial benefits. In the growing CTE-related litigation field, he charges a minimum of $10,000 per case. This for his testimony as a expert. He also maintains a busy schedule of paid speaking engagements, charging $27,500 per appearance. He delivers his sermon with great enthusiasm against contact sports Of all stripes, a deeply religious man, Amalo has said he believes he is on a mission from God, not unlike the blues brothers, I guess. And he views scientists who question him with suspicion and hostility. Quote, as a Christian, I believe that after death, there is judgment, said Amalo during a deposition. When asked about experts who raised doubts about his theories, quote, they will all answer for this on judgment day. He had said back in 2013, I said to myself, you need to give it a sexy name. You need to give it a name that's got a good acronym. People would remember. That's how CTE came about. I'll give him this. His mind works the right way. Had he invented the name, he would have been right. But like I said, it's in medical journals dating back at least to the late 40s. In his book, Truth Doesn't Have a Side, Amalu falsely accused Ms. McKee, of trying to take credit for his, quote, discovery, which was not his, referring to her as, quote, the blonde white woman who claimed she discovered CTE. That's a little racist right there, don't you think? Asked by email whether she has ever claimed to have discovered CTE, Ms. McKee replied, ha, no. No. This is the guy that spawned thousands of hours of breathless bullshittery from ESPN, Bob Lee, that likes a Christine Brennan in, in USA Today and countless other sports media pundits and sports journalists. They ran with this guy. Now I'm not saying CT is not real. It is. I'm not saying that football players, some of them ex-players, have it. They do. I'm just saying this guy is a fucking quack and a crazy man. And he clearly is in for the hustle right now and not for the truth. And meanwhile, the NFL went off and they totally changed the rules of the, of the game as we know it all because, Oh my God, it was a big thing. You know, every media member is like, Oh, this is football. Couldn't might not be around for you know 20 years because of this. It's Turning these guys' brains to mush, said some of my colleagues, Andy Poland, Tom Lavero. And I said, well, wait a minute. How come come then there are so many ex-NFL players I know who played in an era which there were no rules, no concussion doctors, plastic Tupperware for helmets? How come they're in their 60s and 70s and still sharp as a tack, huh? If it was such a lead pipe cinch, how do we know everything we know about this per se? Is it one big hit that'll cause it? Is it a bunch of little hits that'll cause it? What about other sports? And on and on and on. You didn't have to be a PhD in neuropathology to be able to use some critical thinking and go, well, I don't know. We'll see about this. But for the uncritical sheep that love to run in herds, do sheep run in herds? For the sheep and the media that just want virtue signaling and they want to be on the right side of history. They want to be able to say, see, I care. I wrote a column saying the NFL's evil and these players are running their brains into the ground and you should listen to Dr. Bennett Amalu, tell the truth. And it's a great, it's the kind of story that makes for movies with stars like Will Smith, Big Bad Shield, innocent, humble, little foreign born doctor fighting the system. Speaking truth to power. Yeah. (laughs) This guy, Dr. Bennett Amalu. He'll be at a snake handling service in a small town near you. Look for him on the, you know, hand-lettered sign out front. All right, real quick. I've thought, I rethought my stance on the immediate future of driverless cars. And this happened today as I was driving in to Silver Spring for a, a photo shoot session with uh, Radio 1, Urban 1. They Very nice to set up that for all the hosts and talent. Uh, Head shots, some action shots, full body shots. They did their best to make me look presentable, acceptable. So as I was driving into the uh, main studios today, you know, it's an hour and a half when it's all said and done, over Hill and Dale, here and there, all different roads. I got to thinking, I'm like, how the fuck would a driverless car that's running on the internet, on the cloud, navigate some of these things that I was navigating. And we're talking major construction on Route 7 in Virginia coming in to the Beltway. Merge zones, cones, traffic barrels. I had one case where somebody... And I'm normally the guy that lets everybody in. I'm Mr. Let you in. Let's go. I got you. I'm looking at you. I see you. I'm aware. I see the blinker. I see you slowing down. You You need to get over. You got to go right. I got it. Blink, blink, blink. Flash, flash, flash. I got the headlights. You're in. I'm that guy. Except this guy who tried to merge fucked it up because he merged too hard and too fast. Instead of slowly kind of coming up to the point where there was no more room because of the cones and barrels... He then charged up to the throat of it, and then all of a sudden tried to come over, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was almost an accident. I thought, hmm, <laughs> I wonder how Google Car would have handled this. And then I'm thinking, well, at some point, you're going to get a few driverless cars out there, and they're going to cause some headaches and some wrecks and some lawsuits. If they get them better and better, maybe we'll get to the stage where there are half humans, half driverless, but they're going to be following totally different protocols and overall awareness of the sort of social negotiations and the social construct of how to drive without running into each other. And then how are we so sure that the software is not just going to freeze or glitch or reset or reboot? And that there's going to be constant, absolute, unbreakable connectivity to the cloud. I was kind of crazy for thinking, oh, it's coming. 20 years, we'll have it. Nobody's going to be driving nothing in 20 years. I'm going to move my timeline out quite a bit on that. If not indefinitely. Driving is a very human endeavor. At least the way we've got it set up now. So... There, I've changed my mind. Don't say I'm too rigid in my thinking. Every now and then, I change my mind. Time now for our guy, Mr. X. Hello. Mr. X freed from the Friday paywall just in time to do a peacock strut on going 2-0. In the conference championship round, not just two and 2 and zero with damn near Karnak the Magnificent clairvoyance. Care to recap for everyone who did not listen to last Friday what you said about the two games before they were even played?
1: Go ahead. It was a good, it was a great week. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can't remember the exact quote, but I do recall. I did say both favorites were going to route and I said the Packers would get all their points late uh, which, after it was they over, which they did. They did.
0: 27 nothing, 34 to 6. Oh, by the way, breaking news on a Thursday. The Packers have said that Mike Petten will return next year as defensive coordinator, to which I throw my hands up and say, <laughs> "What in the sweet fuck is going on? Like seriously, what does it take to get fired around here?" It's crazy. Yeah. I-
1: they just going blame to the, blame the players like, uh, like Roy Williams. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's and, not my fault. It's players.
0: Well, right, and that's the thing. I, I I just don't know. I mean, firing coordinators is an easy thing to do in the NFL. It happens all the time. You give up yeah. a historic running day like that, especially when you already had one appearance against this team to figure something out, I would have fired them. But, well, they're going to roll them back next year. They're hoping their 23rd-ranked defense against the run gets better. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. That and said. On the, yeah, yeah. On
1: the other one, I geez, for a while there, I thought we had it on the nose because I had said on your show Friday, I had said thirty-five seventeen, uh, and it was on that late in the fourth <laughs> exactly. until the last Houston touchdown, and uh, Mrs. X was wondering why I cared about the last touchdown. I was like, I don't know. It'd just be nice to be perfect on the show instead of missed by a late touchdown.
0: Hell yeah, everyone wants to be perfect on the show.
1: By the, way, by the way, uh, yeah. your guy Gil was awesome last week. I got a bunch of emails saying, hey, who is Gil from v And my answer was, seeing I've never met him other than your show, seems like a great guy and obviously is incredibly smart. And they said, why? And I said, I love anybody who starts half his sentences with, I think Mr. X is exactly right,
0: <laughs>
1: which is what he said all show. So I love him. <laughs>
0: Right, and uh, by the way, I went zero two. I took both dogs. I'll admit that the Packer pick was a bit of a a homer, homer. wish, yes. and um, yeah, and 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 this and the Titans looked good early, but man, that offense for the Chiefs just cannot be kept down. Cannot. So, Definitely. so what what was your record in the playoffs running up to the Super Bowl? Mine sucked. Yours ended up being officially.
1: I'm um, seven and three on your Fridays. Last year was nine and two. This year I'm only seven and three with one to go. <laughs> You're four and six and sitting in second place. Yeah,
0: second. <laughs> so seven and three this year, and you were nine yep. and two last year. That makes a two-year running playoff total of official, documentable picks on this Friday's AbeCast of.
1: it uh, will be sixteen and five.
0: Why? As and you that's said
1: I, I say the, the playoffs are harder. We can do better during the season.
0: And as you said to me in the an email, <laughs> and only five bucks for this?
1: We're yeah. <laughs> undercharging.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, you want more of Mr. X? Just go to his website, com. You'll see a contact form there. You can email him and become best buds. A number of you have said uh, is Mr. X going to give a craps lesson in Vegas. You are furiously efforting away. To legally give a craps lesson, correct?
1: Yes. It's
0: Although harder. It's
1: probably going to be called book club. Remember?
0: I know book club. It's harder than book you think <laughs> because because we talked about this last year. The casino said, "Yeah, we're we're liable. You know, we don't want to be liable if one of your guys gives guys a craps lesson, and next thing you know, they're out ten grand."
1: Yeah, <laughs> I ain't worried about that. They can worry about that. I, you know, it.
0: But here's well, what I thought. I, I thought when you said, "Hey, we got a group coming. Can you set a, set me up with an empty table to show these guys how to play the game?" I thought they would have said, "Sure. You know, let's talk to a a, a uh, floor yeah. manager." Nah. No, fucking no. No, nah. no.
1: Nah, see, I don't need a table. I'm bringing my own. I'll have it in the suitcase. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> in the suitcase. you will press up.
0: one button. It'll go <citiz> like a Jetsons contraption.
1: But, see, you know, when I do the lesson and I'll teach these guys that have been bugging me all year, we are going to teach it this year. But it's just like the football picks on Friday and, more importantly, the ones that the subscribers of the site get. I'm not that guy who says, do this and you're going to win. I'm going to teach you how to play craps so you can lose more slowly. <laughs>
0: Well, they say craps are the best odds in the casino.
1: It is, if you do it right. That's correct.
0: If you do it right. It's just, it's fun. It's a great camaraderie game, that's for sure. No questions. All right, so uh, let's get a peek ahead at the Super Bowl. Line open, one and a half, Chiefs. Is it still there?
1: You know, you're going to see pick before it's done and then with slightly adjusted odds i think this morning i saw the chiefs pick minus a quarter minus 125 mm-hmm. um it's all the same whether it's pick minus one you know pick the winner that's gonna it's come down to There in a person on the planet that says i like the dog plus one you know if you like the dog you just play the money line
0: somebody asked me an interesting question because you love the mvp prop bets knowing how mvp voting typically goes And there's a chance for a little bit of arbitrage on these type of plays. They said, is there in any way, shape, or form the chance that Tyreek Hill is the MVP of this game?
1: Sure, why not? I mean, I wouldn't bet on that, but anybody can be. It's It's obviously most likely a quarterback, although maybe not if it's the Niners. I mean, if it was the Niners against the Packers, it's not Garoppolo with his four for six or six for eight, whatever it was. Um, but well, anyone could well, be.
0: Okay, okay, but first of all, anyone could be. We know that. That's a statement of obviousness. Yeah. Wide receivers, let's see. Uh, Edelman won it last year. I'm looking at Branch. wide receivers. Edelman, Santonio Holmes, who caught the game winner on his tiptoes against the uh, Cardinals in 2009. Heinz Ward Branch. in 2006. Dion Branch the year before.
1: Painful
0: game, yes. Uh, but then you have to go way back. Wide receivers just...
1: Didn't Swan get it once, I think?
0: Jerry Rice got it in 89.
1: Yep.
0: Um, Swan got it in the last Steeler win. Belitnikov got it in 77. And oh. Swan got it in 76. Okay. Bradshaw got it in back-to-back years in 79 and, yeah. and 80. Right. But here's yes. the thing. The media votes on MVP, and the media are a bunch of self-serving, phony-ass frauds. And I think that he, Tyreek Hill would have to have 867 yards receiving to Probably. get that vote.
1: But say the, the MVP, in this day and age, I, I understand they still use paper ballots, and they pass in the damn yeah. things in the middle of the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, no. Some Not, do. N- no, I don't think they do that. I'll have to check. They wait for the outcome, but literally, right as the game is ending, they scoop up everyone's ballot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, you would think there's a better process as much as we're into it. I think, by the way, I I had a really good question that came today on that. Somebody asked, hey, why would I take the Chiefs when I can just take Mahomes at plus 115?
0: That's what he is to win MVP?
1: Yes. And I said So in other
0: words, you don't delay points and you get bonus fifteen bucks for every hundred you wager instead of minus one hundred fifteen. Right. And I said
1: I said absolutely not. Because while I it's hard to visualize a scenario of Chiefs winning and Mahomes not getting it, the margin there of you know, even versus plus one fifteen it's not not worth the difference. the risk. Right. In, yeah. In the days where I many times I did this with like when the Patriots were laying seven, you say, just give me Brady because then I don't have to lay seven. And that makes a lot of sense. But given that the game is only minus one or even, if you like the Chiefs, just take the Chiefs. Don't get cute and play Mahomes. Just take yeah. the Chiefs.
0: What, what would it have to be if it was plus 200? Would that be worth it? Uh, yeah. Plus 150, would that be worth it?
1: Probably, but it's not going to be it if, if but it's not gonna happen
0: by the way this is our closest number since New England Seattle in Seattle that was the 2015 Seattle was minus one
1: right the minus yeah it doesn't mean that and by the way I mean I did that in the whole four Super Bowl I've created my own huge middle because I took Brady at plus odds to win MVP. And I took the Panthers plus seven.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: thinking I can win both, and sure enough, the Patriots win by three, so the plus seven wins, and damn, Givens walks away with the MVP. The yeah. whole fourth quarter, I'm saying, stop throwing it to the same guy. I know.
0: <laughs> so l- walking back, you know, here's the point spreads: the last you know handful of uh, Super Bowls: two and a half, four and a half, three, four and a half, one, two, four and a half, two and a half, three, five, seven. All pretty good. The last double-digit number was 08, as the Patriots were minus 12 against the Giants and lost famously. Thank you, uh, helmet catch. And uh, then you you go back far enough. Look at this awful stretch that we all remember from the mid 90s. Ready? Starting oh, in 94. Yeah. Starting in 94 with Dallas's second Super Bowl win under Jimmy Johnson, where they beat Buffalo 30 to 13. Dallas 10 and a half. it was 10 and a half, 18 and a half, 13 14-11. And,
1: <laughs> and most of them they covered.
0: Exactly. Most of them they covered. So it all came to a screeching halt when the Packers were minus 11 against the Broncos, and they lose outright 31-24. to 24.
1: Yes. Basically, usually in the Super Bowls, pick the winner. By the way, during that stretch is an awesome Vegas story that I don't think I've ever told you the Buffalo Redskins Super Bowl around 92 I think the Redskins were favored by seven no which is
0: yes what yes you're right sorry 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 sorry
1: okay <laughs> which is just the number that's brutal because it gets flat people are like you hate to lay seven but they're way better than Buffalo you don't want to And that week, I remember I was a lad at this at the time, and I can remember the books complaining that their volume was lower than ever because people just didn't know which way to go on a minus seven. And there was one book, and I'm struggling to remember who it was. The head of the book finally decided that nobody wants to play this. So he put up, if you want the Redskins, you get six and a half, but if you take Buffalo, you get seven and a half.
0: Well, you don't say and, get. If you want the well, Redskins, you lay
1: minus six and a half. Six and you a got, half. Yes. Yeah. But if it was Buffalo, you got plus seven and a half. Essentially putting the book at tremendous risk if the game came in on seven because everyone would win. Right. Now he got all the volume because nobody knew how to nobody would play the seven. They'd go to that shop in Vegas and either you know pick the six and a half or the seven and a half. And I remember afterwards, the reporters asked him, you know, uh, you know, how was it, it was nervous? It was, he said, you know, 10 seconds into the game, I was like, oh my God, what have I done?
0: What have I done?
1: <laughs> and he said that he'd never had a sweat like that and would never do it again, even though the skin's routed You're in that fi- game.
0: Well, the routed, but Buffalo got some more, oh, by the way, is Washington oh. 37, Buffalo 24. So 13 right. was the final number on that one.
1: Right. And it was 37-10 late. they did touchdown onside, touchdown. Believe me, I remember that one well. It was to cut it to within 13. All right. But they scored, yeah.
0: Yep. Do you have any interesting props that you're already looking at for the Super Bowl?
1: Uh, actually, no. It's too early for those. I Why'd you put? Really then up. why
0: did you put props on the rundown?
1: Um... <laughs> Oh, I was going to tell you about the MVP prop, what I just told you.
0: Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mr. X often emails me detailed rundowns of what he wants to talk about and then accuses me of not looking at him. I'm looking right off the hymnal here in church, in the pew, like a good boy, and it's like, okay, props. You're like, no, I don't have any.
1: All right, Zabe read the email. I lost that bet.
0: (laughs) There's a prop bet you lost. I'd actually read the email. LSU, are they the greatest... Team ever. I think they're right up there. And I went through this on my shows because of, you know, we're talking about a college football era that is a lot different than the way it was 20 years ago. I mean, they went, I I mean, I'll just say my piece and then I'll shut up. Yeah. They they went 15 and 0, beating more top 10 teams, seven than anybody in history. And they did it out of the toughest neighborhood in the country, in the SEC West. And they beat a fellow former 15-0 and team that hadn't lost in 29 games. Sick talent, Sunday talent, all over the field, both sides of the ball, and a quarterback who's going to be 1-1. It's, it's a pretty strong case.
1: It's a very good case. I personally think they're the second best that i've seen now i only can really go to like the mid 70s (laughs) a lot of people say 72 nebraska that was a little before my time don't know i will give you all that i personally think that the best team i've ever seen was easily they weren't in your poll when i heard you and i think jay talking about him you left them off if you talk about how good were they in college i would take 95 nebraska if you talk about who had the most talent to go into the pros, it's that True. Hurricane team in the early 2000s because they, you know, they were loaded with Hall of Famers. But I think the 95 Nebraska was the most dominant team I saw, and the reason I would say that is they played, not only were they lights out in every category, they played a, a highly touted, undefeated, early on Steve Spurrier Gator team That was supposed to be, oh, Nebraska's never seen this kind of speed. Mm -hmm. And they beat them 62-24. The gap between number one and number two was so huge, I'd give it to them. Whereas LSU and Clemson, they played a tough game. Did LSU win? Yes. Are they a top two or three all-time? In my book, yes. I'll still take Nebraska. They were so much better. And I was watching a little bit of that game recently with the kids and uh, believe it or not, I was showing them and we were arguing. And uh, X2 says, Dad, Florida looks like they can't tackle anybody. And I said, because Nebraska has run the ball 78 times this <laughs> game. Right. You get a little <laughs> exhausted a tackling guys
0: at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, I just typed Tommy in, Fraser. I just Googled 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers. First result was a YouTube video. Nebraska football, 95, greatest of all time. And there's the highlight video and some of these numbers. They averaged 400 yards rushing per game, 400 yards rushing. Their average winning score was 53 to 14. And they beat four teams that finished in the AP top 10. Yeah. I mean, in
1: the championship versus a great Florida team. They ran the ball 78 times for 500 yards. 78. What? I think so. <laughs> 78. That's amazing. That's crazy. Yep. So okay. I'll take them.
0: All right. But Move, I put LSU too. Moving on. We got to talk some baseball, Mr. X, because I haven't had your take on the Astros and the cheating scandal and baseball's investigation. And now the rumors of an even more incredible and hard to believe scheme of buzzers and wires and everything else so give me your
1: take well my take has changed because of the buzzers i was not real big on this as a problem in the beginning the buzzers kind of crossed the line for me
0: that's if the buzzers happened
1: Uh, yeah who's gonna make up a story like that i got an idea let's accuse them of buzzers and the shirt and all (laughs) i don't i kind of feel like smoke and fire thing here it's probably true. But you know when they first when in baseball the first time a sign was stolen was about 30 seconds after they invented signs.
0: <laughs> what happened before yeah. signs? Like I'd love to know a baseball historian <laughs> what, who's who what what pitcher invented the sign?
1: The first guy that had a curveball.
0: <laughs> <Okay. laughs> All right, and who was the okay. first curveball?
1: I don't know. Cy Young, I don't know. But you know, my point is I think stealing you – know, I always get frustrated when I hear people angry that somebody's trying to steal a sign. Now, I don't mean the electronics. I just mean normally when they say, oh, he's trying to steal signs. If you're not allowed to steal them, why does a third-base coach go through the sequence he does on every pitch of the game? Because people are trying to steal them all season long. I have to hide them. You have to steal them. Move on. Right. That's how it works. But by the way, the one take that I think I haven't heard anyone say the reason this is so important to me is think about the future now that it's out there about the complexity of how they steal them. And now we used to be quick when no one on second, and then when there's a man on second, you get complicated so they can't get stolen. Now you know they're stealing them all the time. All it's day, every day. Slow the game down. I know. Can you imagine when nobody's on base and the catcher's going through a sequence and you're like, let's go? The game's gotten too slow already. So, the biggest part of this is they can't have this because they've been doing nothing but trying to speed up this game. I know. This is going to slow it down. And it
0: was all because of the fucking instant replay and these teams Mm -hmm. going, Well, we need a monitor. We need a room to look at these plays. And, you know, the guy might have put his toenail off the base for a split second. We got a challenge. And replays
1: hurt baseball more than football.
0: Oh, oh, my God. And I thought at first, I'm like, okay, for home... Because uh, every season, there'd be one or two foul ball home runs, right? Yeah. And you're like, what are you, fucking blind? We need replay. That'd fix that in a hurry. And, and you let replay in the door, and then mayhem ensues, and we're seeing it now. What cr- What is crazy to me is that they allowed a special center field camera that was <laughs> not time-delayed, Mr. X... Under the guise of player development. <laughs> Are you through. fucking kidding me? This is where baseball needs to take its lumps. They should yeah. have never said that. They should have said, oh, you want a player development camera in center field? How about no? How about your coaches watch what they're fucking doing?
1: This is about like uh, filming NFL coaches on the sideline for what was it uh, the Patriots were filming them for? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's not for the sin. It's for a documentary on uh, right. what it's like. To, oh come on. Or or at well,
0: very or at the very. If, by the way, you could get that same center field camera on the TV tape of every at bat, every pitch. Anyway, you just wouldn't have it immediately. There'd be a delay that would render stealing those signs. Although you know, obviously, you'd be able to look at them on tape. You couldn't act on them in real time. They somehow approved that. And they even approved, because I read the eight-page report on the Astros cheating. I was trying to fall asleep one night. Mission accomplished. Wow. It got very boring. <laughs> but they said that when when the Astros moved their setup closer to the dugout, to that makeshift table and the monitor on it, baseball approved of that as well. That's crazy they—they yeah, they,
1: they, they didn't exactly uh, uh, discourage this from the start. Uh, I found out. What?
0: I found out the guy who invented the signs in baseball.
1: <laughs> okay, who's that? Cannonball or Double down?
0: can Cannonball Titcomb. He uh, he and Jack Glasscock were the. I'm just kidding. I Google searched yeah, yeah. old baseball players with funny names. Those were actual baseball players back in the day. Cannonball Titcomb <laughs> and Jack Glasscock. Okay, continue.
1: I think the reason this whole thing got started, in addition to them carrying it too far, was their asinine trash can banging. People has been <laughs> stealing signs, forever, but they're just not so blatantly stupid. It's kind of like, okay, we know you're doing something, but if you're going to broadcast it like that, you really kind of force our hand. That right. was just stupid. There's so many ways to relay a sign discreetly. And that was well, just
0: stupid. The other thing what, that was in the report was that the Astros had two methods from yes. getting the signs in. And they ran both methods concurrently in parallel, said the report, all the way through the 2017 World Series. So in other words, yeah. they didn't just say, well, we got the center field camera when we got this trash can, bong, bong. We're good. We don't need to run the signs in. They said, do them both just in case.
1: Yeah. So do you know how you relay a sign easily and discreetly? No. Is that is that old and obvious to everyone? No. Okay. I mean, heck, we do it in Little League, for crying out loud. It's easy. All right. Zabin's in the batter's box. Let's see. What did you wear? You were probably number five, right?
0: The uh, the, five? No. Mort Spoodery, no. Morts I wore number eight. Number eight?
1: Not, not okay. because
0: I was a big Cal Ripken fan. That was before Ripken became a major leaguer. It was because that was issued to me on day one. And I remember it distinctly because, Mr. X, like a lot of Little League kids, I signed my name and practiced signing my name oh, yeah. with my number on
1: yeah. it. As a matter of fact, I think that's why Rifkin wore eight after you. Because <laughs> of me. Right. Okay. Well, no, okay. So, so, how to, baseball, so stealing signs. All right. How do you yeah, relay Baseball, you In baseball, you, you typically, you know, in baseball, it's kind of a, a normal thing to call people by their number. You know, yeah. You go. Let's go, come, eight. Come on, eight. Yeah. yeah. Contact okay. eight. All right. I'm coaching third base, and it's a fastball. Come on, Zabe. Let's go. You uh, know, I'm chattering. Right. It's an off-speed pitch. Let's go, eight.
0: <laughs> That's funny. That ain't hard. You that ain't know, hard. Uh, when I when I would pitch, and I did have a pretty good curveball as a 12 year old developed on the mean streets of McLean with my buddies Chip Gladson and Donnie Regal and the likes. Uh, developed by throwing, get this, Mr. X, tennis balls and trying to curve tennis balls in games of pickle in the front yard. Tennis balls are terrible for trying to throw curves. They got no seams, so they really don't move. But we would practice the sort of the overhand flip and the spin of it, right? So once we got to work with real baseballs on that, you know, some of, a couple of us kids had a decent curveball. So, and I could throw mine pretty good for strikes. So, my coach in Little League for Mort's Bootery, Frank Catula, uh, he would sit there and he'd hang sort of like a monkey from the top bar of the dugout and let his feet kind of pull up. And he'd just kind of hang there and he'd, you know, say, all right, come on, come on, Steve, let's go. And the other team started chirping, hey, hey, it's curveball. He's, He's hanging like they they, they, th- they thought they had deciphered it. We had heard them chirping in the other dugout that when he hung from the rafters, it was a curveball. Guess uh, what? That was not the fucking sign. Uh, you know what the sign was for curveball?
1: I don't know. But I bet you dusted him anyway.
0: <laughs> Here was the sign. It was Coach Frank Catula saying, "Hey, Steve, throw a curveball."
1: <laughs> <that laughs> literally,
0: literally, he would just say it so funny stealing signs okay so uh let's move to hall of fame and talk about you know your thoughts on the hall of fame balloting i think that if larry walker was 11 percent in year one and then finally makes it in on his last try something is really not quite right about how the method of putting these guys in works but what do i know
1: can't disagree with that. I don't think he got a lot better in the last ten years, but evidently he did.
0: Yeah, he got sixty percent better.
1: Oh man! Well, you know the hall, of, I, the baseball Hall of Fame discussions are fun. Everybody complains about there's not set rules and you know who's in and who's out. And I still believe that's their intent. That creates conversation. That every year about this time that creates talk shows. It should be this. Bonds should be ineligible or eligible. A conversation is what they want, so I'm okay with that. But it always comes down to the Hall of Fame in any sport. There's two ways you get in. One is how what I call how good was your best? You know, during your time, your best years, whatever number that is, how good were you? But the second is how long did you play? Right. What kind of lengthy career? And you can't compare those two things. And there's no right or wrong, you might as well be arguing politics, but I personally am a, when I talk about Hall of Famers, you want to tell kids who they didn't see, I want to talk about who was the best when they played. Not, you know, how long did they play? You know, I call that like the Rafael Palmaros.
0: Or style. or Bartolo Colon. Bartolo Colon, Colon was sure. a low usage, long, long time player.
1: Sure. And Palmeiro is good because I mean the guy ended up with like 550 homers, mm-hmm. and he was never a top four first baseman in the league any given year of his life.
0: Right, he was the and, so-called. And then all
1: of a sudden, you sneak up on the long stats.
0: Yeah, he was the he was a so-called compiler.
1: Yeah. So I personally like the guys that were, I will quote you as the best. Which is why I get into the Jeter argument all the time. Because oh. his 20-year career is great, and he was never that good.
0: <laughs> I know. He never was. His career no, was 20, great. Years. His career oh. was great. It just, he wasn't that great.
1: No. <laughs> Did that right make place, any sense? Right place, right time. Yeah, yeah, right place, right time, right team. Heck, half his career, he was the second best shortstop on the Yankees.
0: Here, I got behind the... A-Rod. I got this uh I got this uh text from my guy wanna count Rhodes, diehard Oriole fan. Uh he said he starts que- he starts hitting me with this today, right? He goes, trivia question. Which MLB player was the worst player, worst player at any position in allowing defensive runs, which is a part of war. Yeah,
1: he was by far here. the worst straight in this right
0: category. And I'm like yeah, Larry true. Walker, no. Machado, true. no, Harper, no. And then I'm like, Oda B. McDowell, no. And then I'm like, your mom. He's like, no. And I go, okay, Jeter. He's like, yep, got it. Yeah. And, and he, I said, he has
1: a negative career war.
0: I said, look, I never knelt at the Jeter altar, but I'd get slaughtered trying to argue against the holy Derek Jeter. So I just didn't even bother.
1: Yeah. No, that's true. Now, I, I guess the point on him is he Hall of Famer. Of course he is. But is it a catastrophe that he wasn't unanimous? No. Absolutely not. No. It's ridiculous that he's number two all-time vote getter. I mean, the whole game they do in baseball, where there's a, a small group of people who think it's their job to decide how many years you have to wait. Yeah. To get in is is just stupid. You know, like okay, we don't. We, you're you're a Hall of Famer, but we don't want you in on the first ballot, or we don't want you to have over 90. So they vote no. And that's a silly game. And everyone trying to find out the one guy on Jeter, who cares? By the way, my
0: colleague at uh, 97 through the game, Mike Heller, is convinced the reason that Rivera was a rare, unanimous first-timer, somebody forgot to take a sign to leave him off. That someone (laughs) in that small cabal, which he believes in too, that they they all were like, okay, this is the year you've got to do it, and they just fucked up. And they all uh, forgot to the, whoever whoever drew the short straw, Mister X, to not put him on. Forgot that's his theory, no, and I go that is not a terrible theory.
1: I think it's more likely the guy mailed it in and forgot the stamp. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who was supposed to vote no, it yeah. got returned to sender a little bit too late. Right, right. it could have been it as well.
0: Anyway, I will say way, I will say Jeter is in the is in the Poontang Hall of Fame. That guy banged a ton of premium snatch. And and celebrities and you name it. No kids, no divorces, no nothing. Clean record, unbelievable. I I yeah. tip my cap to Jeter on that.
1: And he sent the same gift bags. Remember more than once to <laughs> oh. the same person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't remember who that was.
0: They're like, did you but, get one of these too after going to Jeter's
1: place? I thought I, I thought I had a special gift bag. He gave it oh, to me twice. God. Anyway, I but I, you know what? You see so all those that think I'm just anti-Yankee. I think Rivera deserved to be the only unanimous first-timer. Really? I do. He and He's the only one, and I say for this reason. If you – actually, God, I'm going to get in trouble because X2 gave me this take. The reason is if you pick any position in baseball and say who is the best of all time, whoever you say, I'll have one just as good in four seconds. You know, I don't care. It's
0: hard with Ruth, Rivera,
1: Ruth Williams. You know, you pick a position, right? And you can argue Mays and Aaron, whatever. You say relief pitcher, and a second choice. I it's I, the only position where you can't come up with a second guy who's as good as the first guy. So if somebody had to be unanimous, it's him. There, I mean, any position you pick, you can name you know multiple guys and argue over them. It's hard to say Raleigh Fingers is as good as Rivera no, or whoever no. the number two is. It's hard.
0: So what's the other one that you say you've got two best-evers and there's only one? Oh,
1: the, I always say the only other position I know in sports where there's no argument between one and two is Jerry Rice. You know, if I said I, who's I, the second-best receiver, who's the best receiver of all time? It's Jerry, Jerry Rice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think whoever's number two is I think way behind him. Well,
0: in terms of numbers, yes. But, well, and this is a whole can of worms you don't have time for. I think there are better, I think there are much closer approximations of Rice as a player. And I said close approximations, I didn't say duplicates. Then there are close approximations of Rivera. But that, Mr. X, is a good sports talk radio argument. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Before we get to your last number six, and no time for the bonus bonus you put at the bottom. We'll do that another time. Uh, But before we get to number six, this is a bit of a homework assignment scavenger hunt for the listeners. And I will promise uh, a little tchotchke as appreciation for the first one who comes up with this. Once upon a time, I read a long feature piece. It was probably SI about just how Rivera came up with his unbelievable cutter. It's, it's cutter, right? That he got everyone yes. out with. How yes. he came up with the pitch that made him a God. And it was fascinating. They talked about how he was basically one day fucking around in warmups. Someone around the
1: bullpen, yep.
0: And just sort of adjusted his grip. And the thing just started exploding. And he's like, oh, hold on a second. So if you can find me that article that I'm referencing, and there's probably been a few, but this was a really good one. Send it to me. All right. Okay. We end on this. Mr. X bungee pig. Go.
1: Oh my God. I heard you and Jay talking about that this morning. So Have you I seen it? it up. And. Yes. Oh my God. What? You I mean, Really?
0: Yeah. They're
1: China, <laughs> I man. All I could think of when I watched that was when the second worst thing that happens to you in a day is getting slaughtered for bacon. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad day.
0: That poor pig was terrified. It's China though. They oh. round people up and put them re-education camps. Mr. X, we're out of time, my man. All right. Great run. We'll see you next week. Okay. There you go. I will end on this today. I think I figured out a course for Friday's premium content or the subscriber version of the ZabeCast. Many of you have said, just do you, or better yet, do you and just do something other than sports. Many of you have said, I love it when you go off-road. I love it when you talk about other things. Not that you're not great talking about sports, but the other stuff is every bit as good and it really broadens your palate to go wherever you want. I thought, that might work actually. No sports Friday? Possibly. But in the case of some people, I'm going to want to still do sports. Then I started thinking, see, part of my concern was, gee, if I do one guy or gal on a Friday and you don't care about that guy or a gal, you might just skip it. But then I thought, well, who wants Fridays to be perishable content? If I make Fridays, which it is in football season, obviously it's very perishable. It's not relevant past the weekend. It'd be nice if Fridays were long form discussions of or conversations with single topic or, you know, single guest type interviews and that way they could accumulate in your ZabeCast app and be collectibles and be evergreen stuff that when you are on that long drive uh, to your kids baseball tournament or whatever, you got three or four to go through and we're dealing with this and this and this and that. And I see, kind of went off my head. I was like, I like that. I think that's the way I'm going to go. Tomorrow, I am going to, God willing, uh, I've got scheduled a chance to meet up with Tommy 3-team Malone, otherwise known as Wes Johnson, who voiced him, that character for me this year on 97.3 The Game on Fridays, my gambling expert. Uh, Wes is the voice of the Capitals, the stadium voice of the Capitals, and I owe him breakfast and a bottle of uh, good old Red Breast 12 uh, whiskey from Ireland as my fee to him for doing a great job for us this year. And he's got a great story. And I'm going to hopefully tell it tomorrow over breakfast as I bring my little recorder and my microphone. So that'll be the first foray into this. But here is an email sent to me by a gentleman who just said that he doesn't want his name, not because it's anything secret. He's just like, it doesn't matter. And I said, well, let me at least read some of the email. He wrote to me to say, the podcast is pure unfiltered, Zabe. The radio show is watered down, Zabe. There's too much of everything else in the radio show. I don't like any of your radio interns or co-hosts. Now, you'd think I'd be like, all right, fuck this guy. But no, it gets better. You mentioned sometimes on the podcast that you don't think the podcast could grow to be that big. I disagree. To explain why, let me share with you that I don't really like sports. Oh, I love listeners like this. That's right, I don't listen to the podcast because I like sports, instead I listen because you are a great conversationalist, interviewer, and thought-provoking Jedi speaker. I like this a lot. I like to hear your opinions on anything and everything. While I will never watch a World Series game, I will gladly listen to your take on it the next day. I'm as old as you and I don't like new music. I like old music, but to be honest, I can't hear Aqualung one more goddamn time, so much like my father, I've turned to talk radio. It comes with age. If there is a podcaster better than you, I don't know who that would be. Yes. Oh, sure, there's more popular podcasters, but they aren't better. Bill Burr's podcast is good, not great, but same old Bill over and over again. It gets gets tiring. Michael Moore's podcast sounds like a eulogy. Adam Carolla's podcast sounds like a radio show. The Home Alone Kid is a podcast, and guess what? He can't interview or carry on a conversation for shit. You can stop reading at any time. Oh no, I like this. But here's what I love about the podcast from a guy who doesn't like sports. One, the guests. You pick the best guests. You could call the podcast Steve Zabin and Friends. I love the emotion of Ron Thomas discussing golf. I like the disappointment of the Cowboys fanboy. I forget his name. That'd be Cowboy Mike who is increasingly declining my requests to come on to talk about his team. I need to work on him. I love Andy's knowledge of everything. I love Jay's take on the white man. I love Charch's take on whatever. Of course, I don't really understand who he is. Oh, Charch is Mr. Fantasy Football. I like all your relatives who seem to know when to talk and when to let you talk. Point two, the Monday show. When you step up to the mic and just ramble, For 45 minutes, I am locked in. It is utterly amazing. No cuts, no breaks, just 45 unfiltered minutes. Number three, you're funny. And I mean damn funny. Your podcast has more jokes and humor than Bill Burr's. I love the inside jokes. I love the jokes that you would only understand if you went to high school in the 80s, as we are almost the same age. Four, the music, you pe- pick the best intros and outros. Five, the soundbite clips, crusty, etc. Six, the podcast is getting better every month. It was good, not great when it first started. Now it's great. Well, we're working on Great Plus then. Seven, FTG, absolutely priceless. Jay's enthusiasm for this bit is wonderful. Finally, as a small business owner, I just absolutely respect everything you are doing. You are working your ass off and going the extra mile in ways most people would not. When you listen to the quality of your podcast, do you ever wonder what all the people at the radio station are even doing? Do you need any of them? The stations, they pay money, and I happily take their money, and I give them the best show I can. I just started paying five bucks a month. I should have started sooner. I regret not getting the ale coin, but let me tell you this. Don't ever offer that again. Have no pity for me. So he then says, you know, here's some ideas, uh, you know, for 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 content on Fridays, and they're all good ideas. And I've got a big pile of stuff, and so I'm gonna embark upon doing just that. But he says, basically, make it the Steve Zaban day. Just tell me about whatever your dog, your family, your TVs, your diet. I will listen. Warmest regards, name withheld by request. Let me tell you, I'm not asking for kiss ass emails. And I'm not looking to be the next Adam Carolla, although, shit, he's making a ton of money. I just want to know that there are people like that out there. And I've heard from you guys, and it's awesome. Quality, quality, quality. I'll go for the quality. I'll keep doing this for the quality. I'll do it for my own craft for me to get better. That's the bottom line. So Fridays will be new starting tomorrow. Tommy 3 Team Malone, a.k.a. Wes Johnson in-stadium voice of the Washington Capitals, and a great story, and does great voice work. I'm looking forward to having breakfast with him, and knocking out a good 30 or so minutes. And that will be on Friday. Subscribe by going to uh, Zabe.com and looking for the link. How come I still don't know how to subscribe to my own podcast? Uh, it's somewhere on the app, I believe it is. Yeah. Download ZabeCast app, and you'll see premium, and it'll, you, you press a button and you do some things. and Then you just open your wallet and just just let the money fall out. Just throw the money at the phone and we'll get the five bucks. And away you go. Cancel anytime, month to month. We're working on a yearly subscription. There's some stuff going on behind the scenes. Bear with me on that. Alright, that'll be it for today. That's that's more than enough podcast for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Have yourself a great Thursday, and we will see you next time.